Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of this Farm Chatter podcast. This edition of the podcast, I'm going to be joined by Rabbi Nechemi Scheinfeld, who is the editor and um, author, really, of the of the uh, Pirish Das Ezra, which is a Pirish a commentary on the Ibn Ezra, Al-Tayra. It's a six-volume set, available from Rosad Rav Kook. And, uh, okay, so thank you very much, Rabbi Scheinfeld, for joining me. Good evening. Good evening to you. So, why don't you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? I'm a, I'm an Israeli, as you'll hear from my accent. I live in London for the last 36 years. I attended Yeshiva Ktane, Yeshiva Skoltoire in Yerushalayim. Started there in a, relatively on an early age of 13, 13 and one month to be exact. I was there for four years. From there, I carried to Aponovich for another four and a half years. And I got married here in London. Um, short time in Koilel, and since then I'm a businessman who is trying to be as much as I can, whenever I can. Um, a few years ago, about 15 years ago, I developed a special taste in learning the Parsha with quite a lot of Rishonim, including Orachaim and, 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 and Kliyoka, which are Achroinim. Basically, I at the time, I was makabal on myself to learn every week the Mikrois Gedoilois, top to bottom. And I did it for a few years, and I was always bothered by the fact that whilst learning Ramban, Chizkunis, Fono, Rachaim is quite fluent and quite legible, though the Evan Ezra is a challenge. Anybody who tried looking at Evan Ezra will agree with me that some Psukim are a challenge and some Psukim are an impossible challenge. And uh, I guess my personality is that I do like challenges. So one day I decided to take it on. And the rest is history, as they say. Right. And we ended up with, the, with this full set now. So let me start off. Um, I know that your, your work is really on explaining the Ibn Ezra's peerage, like you just said. But maybe start off by giving, you know, talking a little bit about the Ibn Ezra's background for those not familiar with it. Right. So the Ibn Ezra lived, first of all, like I said, I'm not a mumche in, a, in the personality or in the biography of the Evan Ezra, um, not even a mumche in Digduk, by the way, even though the Digduk is, is a large part of his pirush, and I did deal with it, and I did struggle with it, and hopefully I was able to be mefarishit, but I'm not considering myself as a mumche in Digduk, and not in the biography of the Evan Ezra, but I do know quite a bit. The Evan Ezra is time the time that he, that he lived and that, that, he, that he wrote his Perushim is somewhere between Rashi and the Rambam. He refers to Rashi, doesn't refer to the Rambam, the Rambam refers to him. There is a story that the Rambam met him, but I'm not sure how reliable this story is. There is a whole story about the Rambam is trying to serve him, boss of Cholov, and Evanazar didn't want to eat. I, I heard it once from, actually, I heard it once from a Makubal in my house, but I'm not sure about it. Um, the Rambam famously wrote in his Tzavot to his son, Rav Avram ben Rambam, uh, in which he's telling him to, to learn Chumash with Evanazra. However, I'm sure quite a lot of the listeners will know that there are him on the on the authenticity of this of this tzavor. Some people say that this tzavor, the tzavor sarambam, is mezuyaf. So again, it's not a subject that I know, uh, but I do know that in some sforim are quoting this tzavor and saying that that the rambam was recommending to his son to learn chumash with Avinazra. The question which one should ask. And I don't know if, if if you want me to carry on or you want me to wait for your question, is why Avenezra and not Rashi? What is fundamentally the difference between Avenezra and Rashi? But here we are already leaving the, the, the biography of the Avenezra and going into the style of the Avenezra. So maybe we'll leave it for your next question. Yeah, I think we should wait. One 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 thing we should discuss is that Ibn Ezra was a, I mean, he famously traveled around to a lot of places and he yeah. wrote his peerage in various cities and countries. It's something that was unique uh, of the times. So maybe talk about his travels a little, where he traveled and where he wrote his peerage. Okay, so he was in Rome. He was in Rome and he wrote in Rome. A 
apparently he was in Eretz Yisrael, but once again, I'm not sure how reliable it is. He's originated from Spain. According to what we know, he finished his life in, in London. He finished, he, he writes, when he writes in, in next week's Sadri, in Parshish Boy, he writes about uh, Marcus Choyshech, then actually he's referring to, he, I am, he's referring to him being in London. But he wrote his last Sefer, which I think is the Esoid Moiro, and the Geret HaShabbat, both of them are written in London. Um, he was in his, I think he was 75 years old when he was Nifto. And he's referring to, to, he's referring to it in one of his songs. He had a miserable life. He's known to be very, very poor. He had one Ben Yochid, his name was Yitzchok. And apparently at one stage of his life, he, he, he converted into Islam. I believe that it was only at a stage of his life and then he came back to Judaism. Devin Ezra was extremely upset about it and wrote a song about it, a poet. According to some Agadetes, he was a son-in-law of Rabbi Yudha Alevi. Rabbi Yudha Alevi was Gdolador at the time. When Devin Ezra himself refers to Rabbi Yudha Alevi, he, he speaks about Amar Rabbi Yudha Alevi Nucho Eden. He doesn't say Amar Maishver. Right, so I don't know again how reliable this, this story is, but there is a story that, that Venezra came, that Yudha Levi had a, a, a daughter who was quite an old bachelor, and then the Venezra came, and Rabbi Yudha Levi said, whoever will know to answer this question will get my daughter, etc., etc., and the Venezra handed the Abing his, his, his son-in-law. Don't know. I think we need to judge the Venezra according to his writing. He was huge in Bale Apshat, if we would if we would form a virtual yeshiva of Bale Apshat, probably the Venezra will be one of the Roshivas of this yeshiva. He's got quite a lot of Talmidim amongst the Rishonim which came after him. Quite a lot of Rishonim who are quoting him, sometimes in the Cheskuni, many, many times quoting Mamesh word for word. He was um, big into astrology, as far as I know, also among the Goyim at the time. Is relating a huge weight into astrology in his Pirush on the Torah. And we know that the Rambam wasn't a big chassid of this, of this shita. He was uh, very big into, of course, into Digduk, into the, into the Hebrew language, and he wrote quite a few, a few uh, books about it, Sachut, Moznaim, Sot Digduk. And he was a great poet. He wrote hundreds of songs poets. Right. Okay, so I think that that's good for basic uh, biography, as you said. So something that you started talking about was Ibn Ezra's style overall, which I'm sure you can uh, talk about a lot. And I think also how you talked about, and we should discuss uh, Rashi, you know, you said that the Rambam, maybe or maybe not, either way, the point is all the same, that he said, you know, essential learner Ibn Ezra, not Rashi, but Rashi and Ibn Ezra almost considered, I think, if you look, they're like almost two different schools of, of uh, Pirish and Parshia Chomish. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So let me, um, yes, two different schools. And, and the problem is, before we, I mean, before we conclude that there are two different schools, the problem is that Rashi himself writes about himself three times in his Pirush on the Chumash, lo bati ela, ela shel mikra. So Rashi is referring to himself as a Pashtan, as a Baal Apshat. The truth of the matter is that this Rashi is a Shvere Rashi, is a problematic Rashi. Because Rashi, I don't know what percentage of Rashi, but a huge percentage of Rashi, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's in the, 80, in the 80s, is Chazal and Medroshim. And sometimes, many times, Medroshim, which are not, or at least on the face of it, doesn't look like they are needed to understand the Pshat of the Apostle. Sometimes Rashi brings Medroshim Chalukim, and sometimes he brings medrashim that, on the face of it, do not look like um, that, 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 that they are nidrash from the pasuk. The word medrash is come from the word doresh. The pasuk falang. The pasuk is 
is, is telling you Dorsheni. Now, but Rashi do say, he says it in three places. The first place he says it in the beginning of Vayeshev. I've got a theory about it, but I haven't got no Tana de Messiah to my theory, so I must, uh, you know, say it. I've never seen it by anybody else, but that's my theory. Rashi says the opposite of what anybody thinks, and uh, everybody thinks. Rashi says, my job is to be the Shadchan, to be the matchmaker between you and Chazal. I want you to know what Chazal says in the Pasuk. That's why I'll tell you the Safra, the Sifri, the Mechilta, the Medrash Rabbe. In the few psukim where I come alone without Chazal, only Lefaresh Pshut Hashemikah. I haven't got any Tanah de Messiah to this explanation, but it's a thought that I had. Famously, the Lubavitch Rebbe, the Chagav, is the one who is a, is a huge maven in a huge mumche to Rashi, and the Lubavitch Rebbe is, is leading the line, the Kav, of trying to explain what bothered Rashi and why did he choose this Madrash or that Madrash on top of the others. The Evan Ezra is the total opposite. The Evan Ezra is only interested in a Pshat. Now, when I say only, I want to take you how far, how far the word only means by the Ezra. We all know that the Torah has got four layers, four levels, which is Pshat, Remez, Drash, Sod, Pardes. We also know that Chazal, Repoisek, the Alochis of the, of the Torah, mainly according to Pshat. But sometimes, according to Sod, and sometimes according to Remes, and sometimes according to Drash. We have many halachas in the Gemara which are, which belong to the Drash of the Pasuk, and 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 and, and we have quite a lot of halachas which are based on on, on Sod Kabbalah. What Evan Ezra is trying to tell you is that even in the place where the halacha was gepaskent according to Drush to Drash or according to Sod. The pshat lo zazmi The pshat of the pasuk is still there. Now, it's up to us to understand if the if 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 Moshe Rabbeinu, if the Rebbeinu Shalom wanted us to go aloch according to the drash, why did he write the pasuk, the pshat of the pasuk that way? And the Venezra is not is not going into the, to to explain this nakuda. All he's going to tell you is what is the pshat of the pasuk. And the pshat of the pasuk according to Venezra is determined by the ta'amamila, the literal meaning of the words, and the, the grammatical mivne, the grammatical way, mishkal of, of the word, right? And, and many times we find in Venezra that the grammar of the word will change is a of the pshat of the pasuk. And like I said, in the many occasions where he explained the Pasuk specifically against Chazal, and some people, including two famous people, the Marshal, Chochmashloimer, who was God Lador in his, in his generation, and the, the, the Gdol Mefarsha Evenezra is considered to be Gdol Mefarsha Evenezra, is a Kadmo in the Tzafnas Paneach. Both of them are accusing the Ebenezra of lacking of knowledge in the Talmud. But he wasn't a Talmudist. Difficult to say such a thing about the Ebenezra, and I'll explain why if you'll allow me one more minute. The Ebenezra lived in the time of Baal Atosfes. Rabbeinu Tam correspond with the Ebenezra and Rabbeinu Tam is writing to the Eben Ezra, Va'anochi eved le'avrom le'mikna. Va'anochi eved le'avrom le'mikna. Rabbeinu Tam was undoubtedly gdol ha'talmudistim in his generation, and migdol ha'talmudistim since the Talmud was written. Now, I believe that in 2020, somebody who is not a Talmudist wouldn't get a seat in a Mizrach of any shul or of most shuls. It's for me hard to believe that the Venezra would have got the amount of respect and coverage that he got from Baal Atoisves, and they are quoting him a few times in Shas, 
if he wasn't a Talmudist. So that's why I much prefer the other school of thoughts that he was a Talmudist and called Raz Loyanisle in the Talmud, but he wanted to be Mefarish only the level of Pshat in this possible, in every possible. Okay, yeah. so well, maybe we'll get we'll get back to that a, li- a little bit. So, <clears throat> um, something else I think maybe is worth talking about. I guess right here, once we're discussing Urbanez's overall style, he has a whole uh, famous hakdama. I think to the to his peerish Ambrosius. Maybe we want to talk about what he talks about in his hakdama to Chumash. Yeah. So first of all, apology on my Das Ezra, I did not write a peerish Ambrosius and I was criticized for it. I guess the reason was Bereshis was the first the first safer on Das Ezra, and I really wanted to. I, I worked on it for three or four years, and I really wanted to finish it. And once I finished it, I I, I didn't want to be bothered to go back to the Agdomna. So, but the good news is that I am at the moment busy rewriting Bereshis, another edition, and in that edition I am including both a the Agdama and be the Shita Acheret. As we have in the, in the um, Ebenezer and Parshish Smois, we have a Perusha Aroch and Perusha Katsar, and in the Asesra, I bring them both and I try to explain them both. But not many people know that on Bereshis, we have also the Shita Acheret, but the Shita Acheret doesn't go through the whole Sefer, it finishes in the middle of Parshish Lech Lecha. So I'm rewriting Bereshis with a pirush on the Agdome and with the Shitra Cheres. In the Agdome, the Avenezra is dividing all the parashonim, all the all the all the mefarsha um, mikro to four groups, four categories. And one of them is the Bale uh, Adrash who are Marich. He's taking he's taking a marshal of a nekuda and a magal, a dot in the middle and a line which goes around the dot. The dot represents the truth. The line which goes around the dot represents the explanation of the truth. So some people who are the Tzedoikim and the Karoim, their line doesn't even go around the dot. They don't even know where the dot is. They don't know what the MS is, and they are completely makrishim and is writing as he knows with a very sharp lashonis against him. But then you have a problem with other people who are Bale Adrash, and he's bringing an example of someone who is so marich, he's writing such lengths that on the first three psukim of the Torah, he managed to write a full book. The Venezra was in love with the Kitsur, which is the total opposite. He writes, he writes his, he writes his Perush very Bekitsur. Then he's talking about, um, he's bringing the way the, 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 type of the middle way, which is the, the, the most of the Rishonim, and I guess he's talking about Rashi's way. At the end, he concludes, and that's when he explains his own way, how he's going to write the Sefer, and he's calling it Sefer Ayashar. His, his Pirush Anatari is called Sefer Ayashar. Yashar because, because that is the straight line into the heart of the posuk, the straight line which explained the pshat of the posuk. And that's basically the Agdome. In the, in the, in the other Nusach of the Agdome, in the Shito Acheres, on these five categories, he goes more or less parallel to, to the normal Agdome, but then he goes in lengths to explain all the Klalea Dikduk of the, of the Loshona Kodesh. And Basically, what he writes there is quite similar to what he writes in Mosnaim and in Tzachut. So, quite a bit of Mosnaim and Tzachut is in, in the Agdom of the Shitachas. So, something else that you mentioned there that we should probably discuss is you talked about, he said he's very Makassar, so I think we should segue right into his Pirushan Shemois, which is the last thing that you did. It's in two volumes. Yeah. I believe it's the only one that's in two volumes as of now. And so over there is something he has Pirish Katzer and Pirish Aro. So I think maybe give a little bit of a history about just those two. Well, the Pirish Aroich, 
is what we had throughout the years. The Pirush HaKotzo is only discovered 100 odd years ago. Um, if we're talking about, if we're trying to compare style, a lot of people want to say, and they've got quite a lot of proofs to it, that the Pirush HaKotzo is the authentic one not as far, not to say that the Orach is not authentic, but that's the part of Sefer Ayashar. That's, a con that's more matim, more suitable to the style of the Ebenezer in the, in the other four Chumoshim. So what is the Pirush Orach? Either the Ebenezer wrote the Pirush Orach and all Chamisha Chumshetoyra and we only have one on Shmois, or he only wrote on Shmois. There are people who want to say that the, that the Pirush Orach, the Ebenezer didn't write, but a Talmud wrote it. I don't want to accept this opinion. One thing is for sure, the biggest critic and, 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 and friend of the Ebenezra is the Ramban. The Ramban came one generation after him. And the Ramban himself famously writes in his Agdome that his, his relationship with the Ebenezra is that's the lotion of a Ramban. Tochacha Megula, in other words, when, when he disagrees with him, he, he gives him a funkop, so to speak, quite sharply. But on the other hand, he recognizes uh, the, 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 the greatness of the Ebenezer. And the Ramban did not see the Katsar. The Ramban only saw the Aruch. And the Ramban comes in the first generation after the Ebenezer, so it's hard to believe that the Ramban already had a Pirush, which he relates to as the Venezra's Pirush, and the Venezra didn't write it. So what I would like to accept and to believe is that both are written by the Venezra, the Aroch and the Katsar. Why did he choose to write Aroch on Bereshis and not on the other four? I have no idea. You mean Shmois? Yeah, on Shmois, yeah. Sorry. Right, so I think you you did mention in the in the introduction to Shemais, you do discuss this at length. I think you, you to say perhaps he wrote this. This was like a second period that he wrote. That's what I said before. Yes, other people want to say that he wrote Aroch on all Chamishochim Shetayro, second period Aroch on all Chamishochim Shetayro, and we only have Shemais, right? So that's probably the if we take if we rely on the Ramban that the Ramban relates to the Aroch as Ezra, right? And if we take all the proofs, which I bring quite a few of them, to show that it's quite, it's quite obvious that the Katsar is part of Sefer Ayashar, then we have to come to the conclusion that both are written by the Ebenezer in two different times. One of, I don't remember all the proofs that I bring there, but one of the proofs which come to mind is Ebenezer speaks a lot about Raviona Evan Janach, Amedagdeka Gadol. Now he's calling Rabbeinu Yonah, in all the four Chumoshim and, the, and in the Aroch, but, sorry, and in the Katsar, but in the Aroch he's referring to him as Rabbi Merinus. So you see that that's, that's one of the proofs, but I, I collected quite a lot of proofs where the Ebenezra is in the, in the Katsar is referring you to other Psukim in, in Sefer Dvorim, in Sefer Bereshis, and in the Aroch he doesn't. And the most of Chokreya Ebenezra are in agreement that the Katsar is the integral part of, 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 Sephira, of, of the Pirusha Yashar, Sefer Yashar. So what are some differences? I mean, where, how do we actually see the difference beside, between the Pirusha Aruch and the Pirusha Katsar? Well, there are many differences. Um, there are many differences, but the main difference is the Pirush HaKotzor is in line with the method of Kitzur that the Venezra is using in the other Arboch Humoshim. The Pirush HaOroch, as soon as you start learning it, in Shmois, Perek Aleph, Posuk Aleph, you straight away see that he's Marich, he's repetitive, he's not trying to speak in riddles, he's trying to be understood, you know, there is a famous saying, I think in the name of Rabbi Zil Kharif, that the Venezra wrote his Sefer with the intention not to be understood, and he succeeded. Um, but you don't see it in, in, in the Pirush Aruch. 
the Pirush Aruch is Ma'arich. We are now, if I may, we are now in, in, in last week we were in, in Parsha Shmois. The longest of an Ezra in the Torah is in Parsha Shmois. Perek Gimel, Posuk Tedvav, on the Chiyon Guli Shmoi, and the Rebbein Shalom is telling him the name Eke Asher Eke. I challenge anybody to learn this piece of Ebenezra and to understand it um, in, in, in a day's walk. It's a very, very long Pirush. The Ebenezra is Noigea in a lot of Nekudos, in a lot of levels of Pshat. He's going into the numerical value of the letter and the Chamisha Moitzer Aloshe and how you pronounce the letter and how the letter is written. And he's going into astrology and he's, he's trying to explain the name of Hashem. You open the Katsar on the same Pasuk and Ikimat doesn't write anything. Same applies to a very long Pasuk in, in, in Parshas Kitiso, where again he's touching the issue of Shem Hashem in the Katsar is, is almost as short as, as usual. So if you ask me the main differences between the Katsar and the Aroch, the main difference is the Kitsur and the Arichut. Now, something else about the Pirush Katsur, as you said, it was only discovered, so to speak, um, 100 and so plus years ago, and you're not sure why it ended up as that was the one that got pushed aside, and the Aruch is the one that got published, printed with the Chumashim and as Ibn Ezra. Um, talk, I think it's worth highlighting that, you know, how, how the, what the job that you did in the Das Ezra, pr- printing it separately, and that you're Mefarish, I think you're the only one really until now that was that explains it, and the fact that it's been printed, you know, until now it hasn't really been printed or been available or was mixed up together. With, uh, maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly like you said, and I did write it in the Agdome, the Pirusha Katsar is not known, and by bringing the Pirusha Katsar to the page, so to speak. I mean, Mossad Rav Cook did, Rav Weiser did print it um, many years ago, but it was printed in the back of the Sefer and most people didn't even know of its existence. At the moment, in the Da'at Sezra, the Pirusha Katsar is on the page and it's almost like rediscovering a new Rishon on the Chumash, a new Baal Pshat in the Chumash. Many times, of course, the Pirusha Aroch and Pirusha Katsar are saying the same things, but countless times, in the Katsar, you have new Pninim and new Perushim, which, uh, Baruch Hashem, I was zoichet to, even without being Mefarashit, I was zoichet to bring it up to, 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 to the table, to, to put it up on the shelf of, of, of the Talmud Chachomim. Right. That's a, a side added benefit to that, Ezra. Even... That's right. I mean, to cut you off, right, exactly like you said, besides for your peerish, it's just you actually get the text of it, so now you actually can use it. It wasn't, it's not really yeah. available elsewhere. Yes, yeah, the text there. I mean, there are people did write. There is a there is a safer Mishnel Ezra, which was written by uh, Fleischer, I think it was. Also, the Mechoike Yehuda was Nefarish the Katar, but the Mechoike Yehuda is brilliant Nefarish on the Evan Ezra. The way he printed it, he did print it on the page, but the way he printed it is in one long text where, where two different fonts. A, a smaller font for the Katsar and a larger font for the Aroch, and it's very, very confusing. Um, yeah, in, in, in the Das Ezra, we printed it in the bottom of the page as a Perusian is on with um, footnotes to explain it. Right, I know people, it's not visual, but I was right, the Das Ezra is a Chomish, it has, it has the Pasuk with Unkelis, and you have Rashi. And then you have the in, in Shemais, you have the Ibn Ezra Ha'aruch and the Das Ezra with footnotes. And then a totally separate, it says a separate header, it says Ibn Ezra HaKotzer there. And then you have the, the, the Pirish on that, yeah, footnotes on that. So it's done, like you said, it's very clear, very easy to understand. It's not the other way. Like you said, it was very confusing, very, very hard to use. It wasn't user friendly. In the, in the, there is a difference, though, between you mentioned the footnotes. There is a difference, fundamental difference between the footnotes I wrote on the Das Ezra, on the Aruch and the footnotes I wrote on the Katsar. The way I wrote the Aroch, and the way I wrote the Old Chamish Chum is similar to the art scroll. I tried to explain every single word of the Ebenezra, inserting my pirush between the words of the Ebenezra so that Leman Yarutzbak or so that you can read it as one long pirush. And then the footnotes, the job of the footnotes is more to illustrate other Rishonim 
while Mechulek on Devon Ezra, or where the or where Devon Ezra goes against Chazal or against Gemore, or where there are obvious other Pashtonim who are saying different pshat, that's the footnotes of the Aroch. The Katsar, I did not do that as round the Katsar, I did only footnotes, so I'm trying to explain the actual words of the Venezra in footnotes. The reason why I did it this way, because I thought that otherwise it will be too, too complicated and too long, so I kept it that way. Right, if you had Das Ezra there, it may have been three volumes, not two volumes. Yeah, that, that's right, yes. Um, okay, so that that's uh, about that. I think we'll... Um... We'll get to that a little in a, in a little bit about the the Das Ezra, the actual style. So I think something that we do have to obviously discuss. There's no you can't discuss Ibn Ezra's Pirish Alatira without getting into this. Is the controversy around Ibn Ezra and the Pirish Ibn Ezra around Ibn Ezra? And you already alluded to before the Marshal and his famous introduction to Masechus Babakam and Yamshal Shloima, what he says over there. So why don't we just start off and just talk about that? Right, so when you speak about controversy of the Venezra, you have to divide it into two halokim. Number one is him going against Chazal. In many, many places he goes against Chazal, and or he seems to be going against Chazal. And sometimes, like we said before, it looked like he didn't even know of the existence of this particular Chazal. That's controversy number one. Controversy number two is what is famous, famously known as Soda Shnei Masar. The Venezra is referring to Soda Shnei Masar, is referring to it in a few places in the Torah, but mainly in the beginning of Parshas Devorim. And there, there are some koifrim headed by uh, Spinoza, Baruch Spinoza, from Amsterdam, who tried to, um, tried to relate to the Venezra opinions, which according to the Gemore, are Apikorsus Gemore. So let's start with the first one first, because it's easier to address. The Venezra and Chazal. That should be the headline of this controversy. The Venezra and Chazal. I'd like Dafka to bring you an example from the Rambam to understand this Ebenezer. The Rambam in Moir Nevuchim, when he's coming to explain Yad Tachat Yad, Nefesh Tachat Nefesh, the Rambam says, Mamesh, Kipshutoi, Mamesh. When you, when, when, Yad Tachat Yad, Kipshutoi. Says the Rambam straight away, hi, you will ask me, I myself wrote a loche sefer called Yad HaZoker, and there I wrote that it's not Mamesh, I wrote that it's Momun. There I told you the aloche, here I'm telling you the pshat of the Pasuk. So says the Rambam. So I think this Rambam is the best uh, uh, servant, the best way to illustrate what the Venezra is doing. The Venezra is explaining to you not the aloche and not the drash, and he's not trying to lead you to, 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 a, to a conclusion in how, in, in, in how to understand the bottom line of this pasuk. All he's trying to tell you is what is the pshat of this pasuk. Now, another point of it is the way to learn a medrash. Many people learn a medrash as a as a story which happened. And the Venezra, and you don't need to go to the Venezra, most of the Mephoshim, the Maharal, and even the Spasemis and the Meshechochme, they all agree that you do not have to learn, you do not have to learn a Medrash, Kipshutoi, as a story. You do not have to understand that if we will find a video, a film of Mahmoud Arsinai, that we will see a mountain flying in there, hovering over Bnei Israel. When Chazal said they did not mean literally that the mountain was hovering above three million people. What they meant is, according to the Maharal, according to Sfasemes, and the Meshachochmes said exactly the same thing, that they lost their Bechira. Right? Now let me tell you a beautiful, beautiful dogma from the Venezra himself. There is a pasuk in Parshish Terumah, 
Teose Amenoiva. Teose in a in the Binyan of Nifal, and Rashi famously bring the Chazal that Moshe Rabbeinu niskashe Moshe b'masa menorah Moshe Rabbeinu was uh, found it difficult how to how to follow the instructions and how to build the menorah. So he took a loaf of gold and he threw it into the fire, and the menorah came out. So the menorah was done by itself. Teosah menorah was done by itself. Devanezra brings that medrash and categorically says. No, it didn't happen. It did not happen that way. So again, if we will go back to the film and we will find a film of how was the menorah done, we will not see Moshe Rabbeinu throw a loaf of gold to the fire. What we will see is Bezalel sitting with a, 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 a mass of gold with a chisel and a hammer and making the menorah. How do I know it? Because it's a meforish apostle in Parshish Pekudei so the menorah didn't happen like, like the medrash seemed to be to suggest, but the menorah was done by Bezalel. Hi, the medrash, says the Venezra, says the Venezra himself, I think that's the lotion of the Venezra. Meaning, anybody who saw the menorah, the menorah had a wow effect. When you saw the menorah, you, 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 said, you said to yourself, that's a miracle. That must be that Moshe Rabbeinu threw the gold into the fire and, 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 pop, and the menorah popped out. So Chazal are not trying to tell you a message, or Chazal are trying to give over the message of the wow effect that the menorah had on anybody who saw it. That's the way that the Venezra is suggesting how to learn a Chazal or sometimes at least how to learn Chazal. Chalila v'chas, if you start to, if you adopt this way to learn Psukim in the Torah, then you're an Apikoyos. Psukim in the Torah, you have to take literally. Even in the Torah, there are a few, uh, quite a few metaphors. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, uh, says in Parshat Vori, Marim Gdolotu Betzurot Bashamayim, it's a metaphor. But if Chas v'chalila, somebody wants to suggest that Taseris Amakis are metaphors, then he's an Apikoyos Gomor. And Devin Ezra himself is writing about Kriyas Yamsuf, Tipach Ruchoshel Chivia Kalbi, that suggested that not that it was a metaphor, but that it was a natural phenomenon. So I think if we want to conclude, the Venezra and Chazal chapter of the controversy is, is not going against Chazal, is showing an alternative way of understanding the Pasuk when Chazal chose the Drash and he wants to show you the Pshat, the Pshutash and Mikro. And when he refers to Medroshim and he seems to be Mevatel them, it's not that he's Mevatel Khalila the Medrash, he's Mevatel the wish, anybody who wish to understand the Medrash Kipshutoi, that's not the way to learn a Medrash. Another dogma that we see from it is, is uh, on Vaishakeu, when Aesop is trying to, um, to kiss Yaakov, and according to Chazal, he was trying to, to bite him. And when Ezra there also brings the, the Medrash, and he says that it's Tov Laatikem Ishadaim, again. What the Venezra is trying to tell you that in the Chazal are trying to say that in the Neshikaim, the Kish, that, that Aesop gave Yaakov, there was actually a bite, there was actually a, a neshicha, but not that that's what he did. Now let's go to chapter two, which is much harder, more difficult. I just want to jump in before yeah. we get to, to, to the second part, I don't know, but is that in, in the, um, in Das Ezra, this is something that you do, right? This is something the way you explain um, according to this, this Mahalach that you're going with, to tie up to Ibn Ezra, this is how you tie it up throughout Das Ezra every time there's something controversial, right? Doing my best. Not every time I manage, but I'm doing my best. Okay. And it's very important maybe at this junction to add one little point about Das Ezra. Das Ezra mainly is not Mr. Nehemiah Scheinfeld. Das Ezra is Mr. Nehemiah Scheinfeld opening quite a lot of books about 13, 14 Chiburim and Pshatim and Meforshim on the Venezra and trying to take from here and from there an understanding and put it together in, in, in a modern Hebrew and, and in, in a very 
um, open and legible way to 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 a twenty twenty Talmud Chacham, right? I, I did not kimat never invented my own pshatim. When I couldn't find anybody else who says anything which is acceptable, then I tried my best to do it myself. Right, I think it's, 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 it's important to point out that not only besides from Mechike Yehuda and, and, and Fleischer and others that were more modern commentaries, but the Ben Ezra is, is unique other than Rashi really that he has so many uh, super commentators. He has so many Mepharshim on Ibn Ezra. So you have, mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a volume published by, uh, uh, I think Ben Gurion in the Negev, there was like five Mepharshim in there. There's been other Mepharshim, and then there is the three Mepharshim, Margaliot Tova, with uh, Mutot, with Oel Yosef, with Tzofnas Paaneach, with... Um, Quite a few. There is Rabbi Shlomo, Rabbi Shlomo Ben Atar from Yerushalayim. There are quite a few Mefarshim, and I try to use as many as, as as many of them as possible. Now, I think we should go now back to the to the Soda Shnei Masar. What what they without going into names, are trying to relate to the Venezra, is that the Venezra wrote, the, the Venezra suggested that there are Halila Psukim who were written into the Torah, into the text on the later generations. Now, I'm not it vigorously not it for two reasons. Reason number one, the Gomorrah says in Sanhedrin, that anybody who suggests such a suggestion is an apicarist. Full stop. We believe, anachnu ma'aminim, ne ma'aminim, that kol ha-toyrekulo, from Bereishis, ad le'ene chol Yisrael, is toyre le'moishem, isinai, mishomayim, dvar le'kimchayim, and chalila, no word came later. Yes, there are the last eight psukim in the Torah, where there is a machloikas in the Gemorah, whether Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it bedema, or Yoshua wrote it after his Misa, but that's a Chazal. Um, that's reason number one. The Venezra himself, in Parshas Vayishlach, on the Pasuk Ad Meloich Melech Beisroel, brings in the name of the Yitzchakia Mahabil. Yitzchakia Mahabil means the, the, the Yitzchaki who speaks heaven. And Khalila is not talking there about Rashi, like many people mistakenly thinks he's talking about a, a, a big famous Karoi, a Talmud of Anana Karahi who lived in his gen- before his generation. Yitzchak Yamaabil on the Posuk, uh, trying to suggest that this Posuk is talking about, that this Posuk was written later and he's talking about Shaul Amelech. And Devin Ezra writes, and his book should be burned. So can't be mekabel that that Khalila the Devanezra who the Balatoisves wrote with such a big um, admiration about him and the Rambam admired him and the Ramban admired him, Khalila to relate to him such a controversy. Now, so what yes? So the answer is twofold. The Venezra never writes such a thing. The Venezra is talking about a sod. If it's a sod, I'm not sure that I have to explain the sod. Not every sod you have to understand. The Ramban, for example, in Isaac Dometer the Torah, writes the Ferush explicitly. Whenever I'm telling you something is a sod, don't try to understand it because you won't. So write the Ramban about himself. Now, in my Pirush Da Sezra on the Vorim, I wrote quite on the, on this pasuk on Sodash Nemasada, which is in the very beginning. I think it's Bidvorim Aleph Hey, I believe. There, I'm writing a long essay about this story of Sodash Nemasar. Like I said before, I'm I'm vigorously attacking this school of thought relating to the Evanesra, um such a thought. There is a, in Israel, there is a professor Uriel Simon. Professor Uriel Simon is considered to be a big choker and maven in the Ebenezra. He writes himself that when he was a child, he's a man in his 80s, I believe. 
And he writes that as a child, he found by his father's library or by his grandfather's library, he found Mechokeke Yehuda, and that's why he, he fell in love with Devon Ezra. He is an academician, and he wrote a sefer, Ozen Milin Tivchan. In his book, Ozen Milin Tivchan, he dedicates a full chapter to Sodash Nemasar, and there he divides Sodash Nemasar, he divides the attitudes to Sodash Nemasar to a few schools of sorts. One school of thought is the Haredi school of thought, and this guy found three representatives to the Haredi school of thought, which he completely disagree with. And the three representatives of the Haredi school of sorts are Reb Moshe Feinstein, Reb Menashe Klein, Agoyen Reb Menashe Klein, Leavdil, Elef Alfa Avdoilos, Aniakot. Right? And he's, um, like I said, he, he doesn't like what I wrote and he attacks it quite vigorously and he also attacks the the style of the way I wrote it, because I must say I wrote it, um, you know, Shem Reshoi Mirkav and Khalila, Khalila, et cetera, et cetera. I used a um, quite uh, a rich Hebrew language, which I love. And I did write to Professor Simon later on, and I did tell him that maybe he's got a point about the style that I wrote, but he has to understand that I come from a completely different background and, and completely different school the knee is, and like I said before here, Khalila, we cannot accept for one minute um, any um, suggestion to try to relate to the Venezra Apicosus, Khalila. I do suggest in this essay over there an explanation to the Sod, but I must admit myself that I wrote it As a, as, a, as, a, as a philosophical thought and not as a true belief that that's what the Ebenezer meant. I don't know if you want me to elaborate on it, but maybe just a couple of sentences. Um, we know Ein Mugdom Umaruchar Batayr. Rule of Chazal, Ein Mugdom Umaruchar Batayr. Russian, Ramban, or Mechulek, how often you're allowed to use this rule. But the rule is a rule which Chazal or Mechabeah. Meaning that the Torah is not written in a historical sequence. Sometimes there are stories in the Torah which were before and they are written later. The question one needs to ask himself is, so why? Why wasn't the Torah written on a, on a correct historical order? Now we also know the Torah Kodmo to the world. The Torah was created, I think, tough, tough, kuf, ayin, vav, generations before the world, like the Torah, like the Gemara says in Shabbos. And again, we have to understand what does it mean, Torah before the world. But maybe combining the two is that, yes, there is an historical order to the world from day one of Sheshes and Mebereshis until today. But there is another order, which is the order of the Torah. And the same way, if you will be able to understand what does it mean that the Torah was before the world, you will also, you will also be able to understand that there is an alternative history to the world. The history, the way it's written in the Torah. And maybe when the Venezra is referring to, 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 to Sod, maybe that's what he had in mind. But like I said again, it is just a suggestion to be Yoitze, the, the, the duty of trying to put some kind of explanation. It's not for me to tell you verbally now. Anybody who wants to see it should, is, is invited to see what I wrote there in the Vorim. But the easiest way of getting out of it is, say, the Veneza himself is writing, it's a sod, and not every sod we have to understand. A third school of thought is that the Talmud Torah wrote it. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the simplest explanation. Um, just in, in general, it is. Sorry? 
I should mention that the, 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 the group of three that he quotes, he said, Ramesha Feinstein Zatal, and Ramesha Klein Zatal, and you, it's a, a very yeah. interesting three. It's, I think it, it shows his ignorance in, 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 in the hierarchy of, 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 of the Tzibur Acharedi, complete ignorant. Um, yeah. But there, there is, there is. I do want to mention there is one, one other nekuda of controversy, so to speak, that I don't think we really touched on, which is that Ibn Ezra, we just had, I think, Shmuelis right. He, he quotes a lot of Kerim, a lot of Karaites. So what's the? Uh, yeah, but he quotes them. He quotes them because we have to, we have to take it in the context of his tkufa, in the context of his time. In his time, from the time of Anana Karai, which I believe was in the time of Sadia Gaon, Till the time of the of the Veneza and later, the Karaim were the 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 Emshech, the Yorshim of the Tzdoikim, and they had a lot of weight. Some of them were big Talmid Chachomim. Anan himself was a big Talmid Chachem before he was Yoytzel and the Veneza wrote saw it as his mission. To contradict them and to go against them and to and to and to write against them, many times he is calling them amakhishim, and uh, and 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 he's giving them, you know, like he like he loves toar levai machshemoy or yimochishemoy or kalbi or babil and and everything. Sometimes, for example, in in Parsha's boy, which we line next week, he brings Yehuda Parsi. Yehuda Parsi, in his Akdome, is referring to him as a Karai, but in Parsh's boy, is calling him Rabbi Yehuda Parsi. But if you look at the Asesra, you will see that I found um, another Girsa in Tfus Rishoin, where it's actually this Rabbi Yehuda Parsi must have been a mistake of the, what we say in Yiddish, a Bucher Zetzer. He saw a Reish. And and he and he made from it Rabbi, but it's not belong there. It belonged to the previous line. So the Venezra, there is no doubt about it. That's not a controversy. The Venezra did not like the Karai. You only have to start in the in the in the Agdome of the Venezra and you see the way he relates to them. He didn't like them, he didn't have nothing in common with them, and he's attacking them in every opportunity. In a few places one would wonder why you Bechlal relate to them, why you Bechlal bringing them, why you Bechlal telling me what they said. And the answer must be because of the weight that they carried at his generation. Today, we don't know what is Karaut. We don't, you know, we, 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 they are completely uh, 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 non grata. But in his generation, they were. Right, I think Anam, I think, was 100 years or so before Rapsadjuga and a little bit, something like that. Rapsadjuga was famously uh, fought against them uh, extensively. Um, so also uh, something that's, besides for Karoim, obviously other, other Mepharshim, you just mentioned that Ibn Ezra quotes uh, a lot in his, in his uh, peerish. He, I think Rashi, he mentions Rashi in Safa Brewer, right? And he somewhat criticizes what's the, but not, he doesn't quote him. In no, he does mention him, he does mention him in the Chumish as well. Not that I remember to tell you the address now, but he does mention him a few times. I think even in Bereshis, in the beginning of Bereshis, he mentioned him. But um, again, the Venezra belonged to the Besmedrash of Baalei Apshat. And I'm not sure that Rashi belonged to the same Besmedrash. And that's why maybe he doesn't quote him a lot. What he, the, the, the Mephoshim that he quotes are more Baalei Digduk. Rabbi Yona Evin Janach, Rabbi Yudam Dagdekas Faradia Gadol, quotes the um, the um, the Baal Oruch. He quotes the um, Rabbi Yudah Levi in a couple of places, but he, and and quite a lot of the Karoim. He doesn't quote. He's not known for a lot of uh, quotations. He's not busy with quoting other Mefoshim. Sometimes he says, Kasher Amar Amadagdeka Gadol, and he doesn't even say who is the. Uh, yeah, the one, the one Mephorosh that he's quoting hundreds of times is Agon, Sadi Agon. Right? Him is quoting hundreds of times. Sometimes he's quoting Rab Shmuel Chof, Rab Shmuel Chof Nigon. But when he says Agon Stam, it means Rab Sadi Agon. Rabbi Shmuel Chafni Goyin's Pirush and Bereshis was published by Masada Cook. It's not around anymore, but it was was uh, uh, published. So, 
something else that you mentioned, you work like with the with the Rev, with the Fosrishan. So I think that's worth discussing about us, Ezra, your work that you did. Um, did you edit the text from, from manuscript? We know Mosadov Cook has the old, you know, three volume. I'll just mention the Usher Reason. Well, I didn't use, I didn't use, I did not use the uh, text of Mosadov Cook. Okay. I used the text of Project Ashut. Um, that's the the, the, the the skeleton of the text. On my table, I had opened two versions of Tfus Rishon. Uh, one is Napoli and one is, don't remember this second. And um, I had three Kisriyodes, Ktaviat Paris, Ktaviat Frankfurt, and Ktaviat Vatican. I have a few more, but those are the main three that I used, mainly Paris and Vatican, and uh, and and, uh, and the two Tfus Rishons. And when I when I came across a problem where I couldn't where I couldn't work it out, then sometimes the solution is in the Tfus Rishon or in the Kisperiades. When I saw fit, I mentioned it in the footnotes. And in, in the first volume of Shemais, after your introduction there, there are a couple of facsimiles that people can see which uh, ones you, I guess, you used. Yeah. I must give credit also, especially in this and in, in that item to the two uh, people who, who, who helped me a lot and were, you know, hand to hand with me. One of them is a friend of mine called Yaakov Loifer from Yerushalayim. A big maven in Ebenezra, a big maven in Dikduk. Whenever I came across a Dikduk pasuk, which I couldn't go through it, he is the one who did it. And here in London, there is a, a huge Talmud Chochem of Avram Cohen, who he came across the Ebenezra after Dvorim was already uh, published. He came across Dvorim and he started to write to me every week faxes with his Horace from what I wrote on Dvorim. And then in, and I saw, I didn't know who it is, but I saw that, you know, we are talking here about the Talmud Chochem and knows what he's talking about. And then three or four weeks later, I met a friend of mine in the street on Shabbos afternoon, and he says to me, do you know that Rebbe Vrom Cohen is looking for you? So I said, thank you very much. Please tell me who is Rebbe Vrom Cohen, because I'm looking for him as well. And then we met. So Sefer Vayikro and Sefer Shmois, Rebbe Vrom was a Magia, mainly on the footnotes, and mainly not to find mistakes in my pirush, but to enrich the footnotes and to and to introduce some chazals and aloches and rishonim, which are negia to the Venezra. And now in the new um, um, format of Bereshis, which I'm working on, and he's doing it, he's, he's working with me as well. Okay, so I think I think I was gonna get back to exactly ask you exactly what you did, but I think we covered exactly what Das Ezra does, what the footnotes do, and obviously anyone can just pick it up. It's available. Any farm store really should carry it now, and you can just uh, it's sold as a set. I was sold separately. I think it still is sold separate volumes, right? Yes, it's 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 sold separate volumes or as a set. It's sold separate volumes, partially for the fact that between each volume there was about two or three years gap till the next one came. So they started to sell it as one by one. Now that Baruch Hashem they are selling it as a set of six, but also as um, singles. And the Mitzvah Hashem, when I finish the new edition of Bereshis, we'll have to see what to do with all those people who, who spent their money and bought the first Bereshis. Hopefully I'm inclined to allow them to exchange it free of charge in the shops. Which would be nice. I, I myself own a set, and I before we started recording, I asked you that. What am I going to do? I need the new Bereshis. Um, so, something I think that we should uh, finish up with is a, is a question. Is, is is really two parts? To this question you can attack it however you want. Is I'll just put these two questions in one. First of all, is Ibn Ezra something that is standard regular person? I don't know if someone needs Shiva education or not, or well versed in Chumash. Would they be able to learn it? Is it understandable for them? Now, obviously, your work goes in aiding to that, but talk a little about that. And the other thing is, you know, why should someone today learn Ibn Ezra? As you said, it's mainly a different school, it's very different than Rashi and the standard Mepharshim. So, why, you know, what does someone stand to gain? Why should someone sit and, and learn Ibn Ezra? Today? So, I'll start with the second question. Shivim Tonim Latoira. This is the Venezra is a, is a pirush, is a style which you do not 
learn in the normal yeshivish world. You don't come across it in your yeshivish years. And it's a matter of, uh, you know, everything is a matter of taste. Torah is also a matter of taste, you know. Uh, um, and, and some people develop or will develop a taste for this type of learning, for, for complete itzamdut to, to pshutr shil mikro. And like I said in the beginning, learning Evanezra is a challenge. Some psukim are a great challenge. Some psukim are an impossible challenge, almost an impossible challenge. And I brought before the, 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 the dogma, the example of, of, of Shmois Gimel Tesvov, which took me to write it a few months, literally a few months, um, a couple of months at least. But so that's a great challenge, but it introduced you I mean, it's part of the Torah, the Torah is Rehovah Miniyam, and it's introduced you to a completely new angle, new wrinkle of the Torah, which, you know, one has to be a... When Asher Mishabalakan with Talmud Biyodoi, Talmud Biyodoi has to be as many aspects of the Torah as well. It is, yeah, but not everybody, not anybody would fall in love with it as I did. I believe that the um, the available market of Das Ezra is quite limited. Look, when you are a Balabos and you go to Shul and you learn from Rashi and you want to look a little bit of a Ramban or a little bit of a Rachaim in order to be able to say Nazvar on the Shabbos Tish, Evan Ezra is not for you. If you want to dedicate time to learn the partial Omic in depth, then without Evan Ezra, you have done nothing. So that's the extreme. That's the two extremes. Now, how about the first question? Is is it with someone, like I said, a regular person, so to speak, how, how feasible is it for them to learn it? How hard is it to actually go through it? I did not start learning Evanezra by writing Das Ezra. I started learning Evanezra every week, every Parsha, breaking my head on it, trying to understand what he says by myself. When I felt that I understood big parts of it, that's when I decided to start writing about it. So the answer is yes. Anybody, if I could do it, anybody could do it. But it is not a Ramban that you can read through it and understand most of it. Sometimes you have to break your head on it and you have to understand and then you get used to the style like anything else. You get used to the style and you get used to his language and with the days and with the time it's getting easier and easier. And if you want a shortcut, you go to Eichler and you buy Das Ezra. Right, and, and it's Das Ezra, and, and, and people have the Mechike Yehuda still available, also uh, used. People can yeah. still come across. The Yehuda is a brilliant pirush. And, and also, um, there is also in the Isbahadar one, I know we discussed that they, they're working on something, but it's not sold separately. It's only in like their Mikra Mephor. No, it's, uh, there it's like they, they, they've done a great job, but because they try to put on the Daf, so many Meforshim and so many Pirushim on the Meforshim, then it's limited what can they what, what they can do. So it depends. If you want to touch the Veneza, you know, with the tip of the fog, then then what they did is brilliant. If you want to learn the Veneza word for word and understand everything that he said, then you have to work hard. Right. And also I just wanted to mention, like I mentioned, there's the the the, the super commentators, the, the Ben Gurion uh, volume with the five Mepharshim is if someone wants not that necessarily would help them, but someone wants that. So I think the, the last thing as we finish up is you did mention that you're working on Boratius again. Yeah. And hopefully there'll be a, some sort of program for all those that bought it. But what are the, what uh, what else are you working on now? Right. So I'm working on two things. First of all, I wrote the Vanessa in the last 13, 14 years. Simultaneously, simultaneously, I wrote another Sefer called Sifsei Das. And that's a completely, completely different Sefer, belongs to a completely different compartment. And that is trying to explain on every Parshan and every Yom Tev 10 to 15 pieces of Sfasemis. Um, I am busy with the Sfasemis. And I am, and I, and I keep on writing about it all the time. And it's also printed um, in Mosadar of Cook. This is that's in three volumes. At the moment, I'm busy with completing my work on the Evanezra, 
And that's two books which are being um, written at the moment. One is Das Ezra on Hamisha Megillahs. I've completed Shirashirim, Esther, and Ruth, and I'm about to start Kohelet and afterwards Eicha. That will be a normal Das Ezra, normal Das Ezra, the same format as the Das Ezra on Hamisha Fumshatoira, and hopefully it will fit into one volume on Hamisha Megillahs. Then, like we said before, I'm working on, on, the, on the new edition of Bereshis, in which I'm bringing the, the Akdome and the Shito Acheres and the Akdome of the Shito Acheres. In the Akdome of the Shito Acheres, there is quite a big compartment where the Venezra is writing Digduk rules like he did in Moznaim and in Tzachut. So actually a repetition of Moznaim and Tzachut, and I'm trying to explain it. And... My Eilad who knows? Who knows what afterwards? Hopefully, I won't be unemployed. I don't like to be unemployed. Okay, so we we uh, looking forward to that. And uh, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much uh, for hearing me. And uh, thank you very much for your podcast. I, I did do a little bit of homework before I agreed to uh, the interview. And I heard only good things. Amen. Thank you.